everyplate.com. Make affordable crowd-pleasing meals at home. Choose from 14 delicious and affordable recipes that change every week. Everything you need is shipped to your door. Home-cooked delicious, ready in 30 minutes. Shave time and skip tedious trips to the grocery store. Save money and enjoy tasty dinners that won't break the bank at only $4.99 per serving. Easy to cook recipes at only six simple steps and will turn you into a chef. And you can skip or cancel anytime. Examples of meals are sweet chili chicken, Super Smash Burgers, Balsamic Glazed Pork Chops, Tuscan Pork Meatballs, Crispy Blue Cheese Chicken, Chicken Sausage Meatball Soup, Sausage Chicken and Pepper Stir Fry, Garlicly White Sour White Sauce Flatbreads, Caramelized Onion Meatloaves, Loaded Baked Potato Chowder, Creamy Chicken Sausage Penne, Black Bean and Pepper Jack Tostadas, Chili Garlic Shrimp, Crispy Chicken, Crispy Chickpea Couscous Bowls, you can get six chicken breasts, ground beef, and four chicken breasts. Just select recipes after signing up, recommended by 90,000 families, and break the cycle of boring. Good morning. Here is part four of the Trayvon Martin shooting. Uh, the last episode of Sarger forum was part three and here's part four of the Trayvon Martin shooting media coverage for the first 10 days of Martin's death the story was covered by only by local media outlets in Florida in order to bring more attention to the case Martin family attorney Natalie Jackson sought to the assistance of publicist Ryan Gilson on March 5th on March 5th 2012 Reuters covered the story and the following day CBS News acting on the tip it received from the network's local bureau in Atlanta, Georgia, obtained an exclusive interview with Tracy Martin and Sabrina Fulton that was broadcast on CBS this morning. Also on March 8, the Huffington Post, the Young Turks, and the Griot.com, which is affiliated with the NBC News, started to cover the case on March 9, 2012. ABC World News featured a story on their nightly broadcast, CNN. First reported on the case on March 12, 2012, and by the end of that week, radio hosts and bloggers were also reporting on the story. National coverage started to increase the week of March 12th, and intensified after March 16th, when tapes of 911 calls were released to the public. Having 911 calls, which the police at first declined to release, the release gave radio and TV reporters more material on which to report. The Project for Excellence in Journalism reported that media coverage of the Trayvon Martin case became the first story in 2012 to be featured more than the presidential race. According to the project, the varying types of media have focused on the case in different ways. An article in the Tampa Bay Times wrote that on Twitter, people are outraged at Zimmerman and want justice while on cable news and talk radio, people are discussing the state's laws for self-defense and gun control, and on blogs, the focus on has been on race. Fox News host Geraldo Rivera, a former NBC employee, asserted that MSNBC made an ideological decision that they would argue strenuously for the prosecution of George Zimmerman and the ultimate conviction of George Zimmerman. They are cheerleading for the conviction of George Zimmerman. Portrayals of Martin and Zimmerman. The contrast in the photos of Martin and Zimmerman, which were most widely used in early media reports of the shooting, may have influenced initial public perceptions of the case. The most commonly published image of Martin provided to media by his family showed a smiling, baby-faced teen. The only image of Zimmerman initially available to news media was a seven-year-old police booking 
photograph released by law enforcement officials after the shooting. The image showed a heavyset Zerman who appeared to be unhappy or angry when the imposing, with an imposing stare. The AP quoted academic Kenny Irby on the expected effect. What have when you have such a lopsided visual comparison, it just stands to reason that people would rush to judgment. And another academic, Betsy Graves, asked, saying that journals represent stories as a struggle between good and evil if their ingredients are there. Zerman's ethnicity. The initial police report on the shooting described Zerman as white. Early news media reports which mentioned Zerman's race also referred to him as white, although Zerman has personally identified as Hispanic on his photo records and driver's license. This information was not revealed to the public in early media reports when Zerman had gone into hiding and no one was speaking to the media on his behalf. That changed when Zerman's father was delivered a statement to the Orlando Center calling Zerman a Spanish-speaking minority. Several media outlets such as CNN and the New York Times suddenly began to describe Zerman as a white Hispanic in their reports on the case prompted discussion and some criticism of the choice of that term. Conservative commentators including Rush Limbaugh and Bernard Bulber accused the media of misrepresenting Zerman's race to fit a political narrative of a Russian-motivated killing. Goldberg opined that if George Zerman did something good, they wouldn't refer to him as white Hispanic, he'd just be Hispanic. Other commenters remarked on the difficulty of deciding how best to describe Zimmerman's race in media reports intended for audience largely unfamiliar with the complexity of Hispanic identity in con- contemporary America. Michael Gettler, the ombudsman for PBS, said that after reviewing pre- viewers' criticism of the PBS NewsHour, having called Zimmerman white in an April 2012 broadcast, the NewsHour staff suggested that it might be best in future reports to simply to simply show an image of Zimmerman and not try to describe him. Zimmerman's call to police. Economist and comment Thomas so well criticized the national media for implying that Zimmerman had continued to follow Martin as the police dispatcher said, we don't need you to do that. He said that they mostly left out Zimmerman's answer okay because too many people in the media see the role as filtering and slicing the news. After the audio of the call was released, reports by CNN and other news outlets alleged that Zimmerman had said fucking coons two minutes and 21 seconds to 21 into the call. Two weeks later, on April 4, 2012, CNN claimed that the enhanced, Zimmerman, the enhanced audio revealed that Zimmerman had said fucking cold, allow, alluding to one rain, to ongoing rain in February. The following day, April 5, 2012, CNN's Martin Savage reported that that forensic audio expert Tom Owen claimed it was fucking punks. It says said to be, it is said to be fucking punks in the affidavit of probable cause dated April 11, 2012. Other views of the call have offered alternate interpretations of what was said. Some blame it as unintelligible, according to the Associated, Associated Press. The alleged racial slur fell. Fed growing outrage over the police department's initial decision not to arrest Zimmerman. Decisive audio editing by NBC. Between March 19th and 27th, 2012, the NBC Nightly News, NBC's Today Show, and NBC's network on Miami affiliate WTVJ ran segments which misleadingly merged parts of Zimmerman's call. On one, on one version of the recording played by NBC, Zimmerman was heard saying, This guy looks like he's up to no good. 
or he's on drugs or something, he's got his hands in his waistband, and he's a black male. And another Zimmerman's voice was supposed to say, this guy looks like he's up to no good, he looks black. In the original 911 recording, Zimmerman said, this guy looks like he's up to no good, or he's on drugs or it's raining, and he's just walking around looking about. The 911 operator then said, okay, and this guy, is he black, white, or Hispanic? And Zimmerman answered, he looks black. The phrase, he's got his hands in his waistband, and he's a black male, came several exchanges after the after that point in the conversation. Eric Wimple of the Washington Post wrote that NBC's alterations would more readily paint Zimmerman as a racial profile. In reality, Zimmerman simply answered a question, nothing prejudicial at all in responding to such an inquiry to portray that exchange in a way that wrong Zimmerman is high editorial malpractice. NBC issued an apology for an error made in the production process that we deeply regret, but never apologize on the air. The network said that the Today Show and Miami edits took place in two separate despair, two separate incidents involving two different people. A Miami-based NBC News producer lost her job. WTBJ reporter Jeff Burnside was fired, and two other employees were disciplined. Lilia Luciano, who was a reporter on the broadcast containing both edited versions of the audio, was also fired, and some of her aired reports on the Trayvon Martin story, along with them, is leading audio of them of the along with the misleading audio were removed from the NBC News website. On December 6, 2012, Zimmerman filed a defamation lawsuit against NBC, alleging that they intentionally edited the phone call so that Zimmerman would sound racist. The lawsuit said NBC saw the death of Trayvon Martin not as a tragedy, but as an opportunity to increase ratings, and so set about to create the myth that George Zimmerman was a racist and predatory villain. An NBC spokeswoman said the network strongly disagreed with the accusations that were made in the complaint, stating there was no intent to betray Mr. Zimmerman fairly, and we intend to rigorously defend opposition in court. In June 2014, the summary of judgment was issued in the network's favor, and with, ended, which ended the lawsuit filed by Zimmerman in the ruling the judge wrote that there was no clear and convincing evidence that defendants knew that the information published was false at the time it was published or recklessly disregarded the truth or, or falsity of those statements. Surveillance radio mistake. ABC News obtained a surveillance video of Zimmerman walking unassisted into the Sanford police station after the shooting. An officer is seen pausing to look at the back of Zimmerman's head, but ABC originally said that no abrasions or blood can be seen in the video. ABC later reported that it had re-digitized the video and said that this version showed what appeared to be a pair of gashes of welts on George Zimmerman's head, but the story's main focus was on a doctor who claimed that it was unlikely that Zimmerman's nose had been broken. Jerry B. 29 Controversy In his July 26, 2013, Colin journalist William Salatan accused several major news organizations of editing interviews with Jerry B. 29 to make it appear that she maintained Zimmerman had gotten away with murder when, according to Salatan, she had not actually done so. Trial and verdict. As news of the case spread, thousands of protests across the country called for Zimmerman's arrest in a full investigation on April 11, 2012, and amid widespread intense and, in some cases, misleading media coverage. Zimmerman was charged with second-degree murder by a special prosecutor appointed by Governor Rick Scott. Zimmerman's trial began on June 10, 2013, in Sanford. Opening statements took place on June 24, 2013. The jury deliberation began on July 12, on July 13, 2013. The jury found him not guilty. 
On April, on February 24, 2015, the United States Justice Department just announced that there was not enough evidence for a federal hate crime prosecution. Aftermath. Some legal scholars, including Charles Rose of Stetson University and Jonathan Turley of George Washington University, were not surprised by the vote and said that prosecution had technically erred by charging Zimmerman with second-degree murder, which, given Florida laws on self-defense, made it impossible for the prosecution to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt with the evidence at their disposal. Several attorneys commenting on the case, such as Paul Butler of Georgetown University, said that the prosecution had failed to adequately prepare the witnesses for trial and had been outmaneuvered by the defense attorneys. Harvard Law Professor Alan Dershowitz remained extremely critical of State Attorney Angela Corey's actions in the case, charging that her conduct or ordered on criminal conduct and in 50 years of litigating cases, rarely have I seen a prosecutor as bad as this prosecutor. George Zimmerman remained in hiding after the verdict, although it was reported that on July 17th, four days after the verdict, Zimmerman helped rescue several people from an overturned vehicle in Sanford, Florida. They found rescue by Zimmerman had planned to prosecute but later dropped the plan because they were worried about adverse public reaction to say Anything possible about Zinnerman. Months later, Zinnerman was seen in Cocoa, Florida, touring a factory of the company that manufactured the gun he had used in the shooting. Zinnerman was said he had asked about the legality of buying a 12-gauge shotgun. Zinnerman's parents said that they, too, had received a large number of death threats and were too, still too afraid to return to their home after the verdict. A Winter Park, Florida woman whose phone number was posted online by a website but identified the number as George Zinnerman said she all receiving a barrage of death threats. The woman said that when she reported the calls to the Seminole County Sheriff's Department, she was told that the Sheriff's Office was receiving 400 death threats per minute on social website, social media websites. The day after the verdict was delivered, the NAACP posted a petition from requesting the Justice Department to open a civil rights case against George Zimmerman within hours. 130,000 people had signed the petition. During a speech to the NAACP, Attorney General Eric Holder stated that the Department of Justice was continuing to investigate Zimmerman for civil rights violations after the verdict and also criticized existing standard ground laws. Holder's speech was denounced by the NRA and Florida Governor Rick Scott. Although there were scattered incidents of disturbance and vandalism following the not guilty ruling, fears of widespread civil unrest as per the Rodney King verdict in 1992 were unrealized. An Hispanic man in Baltimore was poorly beaten by a group of youths, one of whom was armed with a handgun, while the group chanted, This is for Trayvon, a white man in Wa. While Watusa, Wisconsin, said he was beaten by a group of African-American youth who were yelling, This is for Trayvon Martin. The man said he was saved for the sins by a young African-American couple who came to his rescue. In Washington, D.C., an adult white male was kicked by three African-American men and robbed his phone and wallet. This man said the three assailants yelled out, This is for Trayvon. The police investigated the incident as a hate crime. Three just days after the Zimmerman trial verdict had been announced, several dozen actors known as the Dean Dream defenders began to camp outside Governor Rick Scott's office in the Capitol, demanding that the governor call for the legislature into a special session to pass when what the act was called the Trayvon Martin Civil Rights Act, which would repeal the standard ground law, outlaw racial profiling, and discourage the use of zero tolerance policies in schools. As the occupation as the occupation entered its second week, Governor Scott maintained that he would not order a special session of the legislature. Democrat leaders in the Florida legislature and Senate Minority Leader Chris Smith and House Minority Leader Perry Thurston also called on the governor to convene special, a special session of the legislature in order to overhaul a possibly 
or possibly repeal the standard ground provisions of Florida's self-defense law, Senator Smith said that the verdict in the Zimmerman trial showed the adverse effect of the standard ground law. On July 19th, six days after the verdict, President Barack Obama gave an impromptu 20-minute speech in the White House press room in which he spoke about the trial and about race relations in the United States. Obama said that he identified Trayvon that Trayvon Martin could have been me 35 years ago. He also said that black men in the United States, himself included, before he became a senator, commonly suffered racial profiling. After a week, a week after the verdict, peaceful rallies and vigils were held in more than 100 cities nationwide to protest racial profiling, demand the repeal of standard ground laws, and call for a federal trial of Zimmerman for violations of civil rights laws. A, nation, a nationwide poll conducted for the Washington Post and ABC News found sharp divisions along racial and political lines over the shooting and over the jury's verdict. Nearly 90% of African Americans called the shooting unjustified compared to 30% of whites and some 60% of Democrats disapproved of the verdict compared to 20% of Republicans. Gallup reported that the reaction almost exactly the opposite of what that of that following the O.J. Simpson murder case when 89% of American African when 89% of African Americans agreed with the jury decision compared to 36% of whites. A Pew Research Center poll found similar divisions along racial lines in the Zimmerman case. The Pew poll also found large differences in the reaction to the trial verdict according to age. The majority of Americans younger than 30 expressed dissatisfaction with the verdict 53% to 29% while the reaction was worse for those of age 65 and older 50% satisfied versus 33% dissatisfied. The 2003 acquittal of Zimmerman on the charge of murdering Martin inspired a Facebook posting that included the phrase Black Lives Matter, which later, <coughs> which later became the name of the Black Lives Matter movement. In December 2019, George Zimmerman, man, <coughs> George Zimmerman filed a lawsuit against Trayvon Martin's family, their attorneys, the prosecutors in the trial, <coughs> and others. The suit alleges a civil conspiracy by the Martin family and the lawyers, malicious prosecution by the prosecutors, and defamation by civil parties. The suit asks for more than $100 million in damages. Zimmerman's father is white and his mother is Afro-Peruvian. <coughs> One of her grandfathers was Afro-Peruvian. Police event reports were made by Zimmerman, 911, non-emergency. The surveillance costs of Trayvon Martin from various cameras and the of the surveillance videos of Trayvon Martin from various cameras in the convenience store can be found at surveillance Trayvon Martin at store night of shooting WFTV retreat March 29, 2015. Some reports of the media in the media incorrectly gave the time as 7:11. See the New York Times article of. The events leading to the shooting of Trayvon Martin for seven aerial interviews, which include depictions of the retreat at Twin Lakes, the home where Trayvon was staying, the site of the shooting, Zimmerman's home, the site of the 7-Eleven, and other sites of arrest. The autopsy report can be found at Hart, Benjamin, May 17, 2012. In 2012, Trayvon Martin also report killed by a bullet fired at immediate, intermediate range. That's the approach of September 18, 2012. The Orlando shooting source reported in May 2012 that Zimmerman told investors that Martin was circling his vehicle at one point, but news stories after Zimmerman's statements to police were released reported that he said Martin he said Martin circled his vehicle. Some reference information is from the embedded video of Robert Zimmerman's interview.
while talking about Martin Zimmerman, man, Zimmerman stated these assholes, these, uh, they always get away, and also said these fucking punks. Some sources said that Martin image shows him at 13 or 14 years old, but a Martin family attorney, Benjamin reportedly said that the photograph had been taken six months prior to the shooting when Martin was 16 years old. Contributing to the controversy was an image of a different person, also named Trevor Martin, in a gangster pose. The day after the verdict that there was unrest in Oakland, California, protesters burned U.S. and California flags, broke windows, started fires in the streets, and vandalized a police squad car. On July 15th, at least 12 people were arrested in, for disorderly behavior at protests in New York City, and 13 people were arrested in Los Angeles after multiple incidents of public assault and vandalism. On July 17th, 70 people were arrested after unruly behavior at protests in Victorville, California. And on July 18th, 11 people were arrested in San Bernardino, California, where several bartenders and a police horse were injured after disorderly behavior. Thank you for listening to this uh, story on the Trayvon Martin shooting. Have a good week and stay safe.